Broadcasting live to New York, Bloomberg 1130, to Washington, D.C., Bloomberg 991, to Boston, Bloomberg 1200, to San Francisco, Bloomberg 960, to the country, Sirius XM Channel 119, and around the globe, the Bloomberg Radio Plus app and Bloomberg.com. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. And good morning, I'm John Tucker, along with uh, Tom Keene and Michael McKee. The opening bell is being brought to you by SEI. Recognized as a fintech pioneer, SEI continues its legacy of innovation by helping asset managers to compete in a changing world. Explore SEI's next-gen ideas at seic.com slash IMS. And at the uh, start of market trading right now, regular trading, we have uh, stocks higher. Dow Jones Industrial Average up at 42 points, a rise of two-tenths of a percent. S&P 500 up four. The Nasdaq Composite Index 11 points higher. That's up two-tenths of a percent. A stock's higher following a four-day decline that sent the S&P 500 to a, a three-week low. This all, of course, before the outcome of the Federal Reserve Policy Meeting this afternoon. And among uh, stocks moving, uh, Twitter among the most active. That's uh, rising about 2%. Mark Andreessen of uh, venture capital firm Andreessen Horowitz said uh, companies may consider social media firms for acquisition. Also, uh, looking at Whole Foods uh, losing over 2%, regulators asked it to resolve unsanitary conditions at a plant in Massachusetts the, where the agency found listeria and other serious food safety violations. Once again, the Dow is up 38, S&P 500 up about uh, four points right now. We check the markets for you every 10 minutes during the trading day right here on Bloomberg Radio. Tom and Michael. John Tucker, thank you so much. We, we would talk to our next guest, oh, I don't know, block, block and a half. I think we could talk to him for five blocks this morning. Charles Gabriel is a three-decade veteran of the Washington Wars. Mike, I've never seen the last couple of weeks like it's been. I assume Mr. Gabriel is not, not either with Capital Alpha Partners. Chuck Gabriel, good morning. Uh, Ann Selzer yeah. is a hugely respected person counting voters <laughs> and in polling out of Des Moines. She does Bloomberg politics polls. And here's her quote. Secretary Clinton's supporters are more enthusiastic than Mr. Trump's. I was sort of surprised by that. Where's the level of enthusiasm as you look at the uh, Washington meter right now? Yeah, it's a great point. Thanks, thanks for having me, Tom. Uh, the uh, you know the, we were supposed to have a motivation mismatch on behalf of Republicans yes. for this, this cycle, and you know it's a. There's an anger management uh, issue that's been forced, uh, been confronting both parties, uh, and and so to the extent that Mrs. Clinton is much more of an establishment candidate, you know there was uh, there was a sense that there was going to be less enthusiasm for her. But I, I think as things have gone on, uh, you know, Mr. Trump has had a unique uh, reality TV in your face, smash mouth uh, way of of sort of uh, creating. Um, you know, interest on the on the part of some of the constituencies that uh, have made up the the Obama coalition, and it's it's certainly you know that's now the playbook that Hillary Clinton is advancing. Meanwhile, Republicans are defending the Senate uh, and really are you know really are apoplectic about losing the opportunity to retake the White House with the Trump bid. So, you know, the mixture of uh, the black sack full of kittens that is the Republican Party at this stage uh, and the Democrats 
you know, really very excited about uh, the way, uh, the, the, you know, that Trump is energizing their constituency is, is, is led to exactly what you're talking about. Kittens, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> kittens are cute. <laughs> you might need a different uh, animal analogy there. Uh, the, the the Bloomberg poll Tom's referencing uh, has Hillary Clinton up 12 points over Donald Trump. And what I thought was interesting in it is that Hillary Clinton is up 12 points. And this poll was taken over the, uh, you know, uh, t- to a certain extent over the time period of the Orlando attack. Right. And the theory had been that if you had a terrorist attack, and, and this still hasn't been proven to really have any connection to uh, to uh, radical Islam, as uh, Donald Trump would say, but um, if you had a terrorist attack, then it would benefit him. It did not. Right, and this is the first poll that, that uh, overlaps the uh, Orlando uh, uh, you know, attack, so... It is, it is quite interesting. It, it, it certainly doesn't match up with a lot of the other polls. So I'm not, I'm not suggesting it's a, uh, it's a, uh, an outlier. We'll have to see. And, and, you know, certainly a part of it would also have to reflect a bit of a honeymoon bounce, if you will, after Mrs. Clinton, you know, was, uh, hit with names, the historical, uh, presumptive nominee. Uh, this, this, this looked like it might be, uh, you know, convey a tremendous, uh, snapback advantage to Trump because it disrupted that, that narrative about the Mrs. Clinton's seizing of the nomination, you know, 96 years after women were given the right to vote. Uh, and this should be an issue that really would help Trump because he's made such a big, a big deal about the administration or the president not even being able to say radical Islam. You know, the things he's saying uh, certainly resonate with what we would call Foxland, but he doesn't seem to have gotten anywhere near the kind of bounce that he got after San Bernardino and Paris, that seems to have moved mm-hmm. on. And right. she actually she actually polls better on the issue of uh, who has seen uh, best handling a crisis. So it's interesting. This yeah. actually has played more to her strength based on where Trump has uh, painted himself into a corner. Your poll, your note rather, is is away from polls. Is a wonderful set of ideas on policy and linking it into our electoral process. Do you have any confidence that we can create policy? However, November happens. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, I, I think uh, you know our our group really thinks that the Senate could be uh, a really the unremarked uh, important issue here. Uh, and I think our, our frankly our next note that will go out our election report. I think we're going to title it "It's the Senate, Stupid," because you know there are a number of things that point to the notion that Donald Trump could lose. It might still be a much closer race than people think. But the Republicans, you know, might uh, surprise folks by actually holding on to the Senate, you know, particularly if they're able to hold on to, uh, you know, key seats like in Ohio with Rob Portman and uh, New Hampshire with uh, Kelly Ayotte, uh, very, very important, Pat Toomey in Pennsylvania. Uh, all of those candidates have been uh, either even or just ahead of their competitors. They're They're dancing a little bit because they're being – you know, hit with the Democratic attacks that uh, they haven't embraced the Feinstein bill that would suggest anybody who's being, uh, you know, surveilled or uh, um, investigated as a potential terrorist shouldn't be able to buy guns. Amazingly, Republicans have had to resist that because they don't think that gives a due process. But, you know, I, we, would, we would sort of suggest that the odds of Mrs. Clinton winning, perhaps not surprisingly, are rising, even though it might still be close. But the odds mm-hmm. of the Republicans holding on to the Senate 
are, are also potentially doing better than expected. And that's an area where she wins and you get a Republican retained narrow Republican Senate and, and House. It's actually very, very good for the markets mm-hmm. and actually very, very good yep. if you want legislation. Let's come back with Chuck Gabriel, Capital Alpha uh, Partners, as we uh, link in. Um, less economics, finance, and investment, more policy in what we'll see uh, coming forward. Mike, it's, there's such a, such a not desire, but um, almost need to keep up with the tick-by-tick tick news of the two candidates. I mean, it's just you, well, it's you a social of, media age. Yeah, you look the at the internet and you go, okay, what, what, which of these two has given us the latest fix of silliness? Is, is well, I don't think the there's ever any question about which one if you're talking about silliness. Um, but uh, it, it's uh, been a, a remarkable period, and it is interesting that uh, the public is not responding as we thought they might. Yeah. I mean, there, there it is. Where are we? Green on the screen. Futures up 30. The VIX comes in from at 22 level into 20.29 in a modest 0.21 points. Sort of a Fed day feel. Fed day feel uh, to the market. It is at 9.39 on Wall Street, and this hour of surveillance is brought to you by Volvo Cars White Plains. Visit VolvoCarsWhitePlains.com. Here's Michael Barr with news headlines. Mike, Tom, thank you very much. The House Oversight and Government Reform Committee plans to vote today on whether to censure Internal Revenue Service Commissioner John Koskinen. Republicans claim Koskinen obstructed an investigation into whether his agency targeted conservative groups seeking tax-exempt status. It comes before a planned hearing next week by the House Judiciary Committee about a resolution to impeach Koskinen. The city of Orlando, Florida, is opening a family assistance center for the friends and relatives of the victims who were killed or wounded in Sunday's mass shooting. Mayor Buddy Dyer says they will be offering an array of services at Camping World Stadium. Child and family services, we have counseling, grief counseling, crime victim services, lodging, funeral services, ground transportation. Tomorrow, President Obama will head to Orlando to pay his respects to the 49 victims who were killed and 53 others that were wounded. The latest Bloomberg poll shows Democrat Hillary Clinton with a 12-point lead over Republican rival Donald Trump. Global News, 24 hours a day, powered by our 2,400 journalists and more than 150 news bureaus around the world. I'm Michael Barr. Mike, Tom? Michael, thanks so much. Gold, 1285 the ounce. Make that 1286 the ounce. Flat for the day, but what a run gold has had almost to the 1300 uh, level. Don't forget our Fred Day coverage, 1 p.m. this afternoon with Scarlett Foo. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. Bloomberg Surveillance brought to you by National Realty Partners, uh, uh, providers of 100% satisfaction guaranteed New York City Realty Investments. See them at nria.net. Global Business News, 24 hours a day at Bloomberg.com, the Radio Plus mobile app, and on your radio. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash. And good morning, I'm John Tucker. This is a Bloomberg Business Flash being brought to you by American Arbitration Association. Business disputes are inevitable. Resolve faster with the American Arbitration Association, the global leader in alternative dispute resolution for over 85 years. Learn more at ADR.org. We're seeing uh, stocks higher in the early going after uh, declines of the last four sessions. 
Uh, investors uh, positioning ahead of the Fed decision this afternoon. Doesn't seem like anything's going to happen at that meeting, which actually could be taken as a positive. People are also keeping an eye on the Brexit decision uh, that is scheduled for next week. Uh, had the economic data out today, data showing the uh, producer price index gained four-tenths of a percent. That was more than forecast. But uh, factory production, that fell more than projected uh, for the month of May. We have the Dow Jones Industrial Average of 45 points. That's up three-tenths of a percent at 17,720. The S&P 500, six points higher. That's up three-tenths at 2,081. As the Composite Index, 14 points higher. That's up three-tenths at 48,57. We check the markets for you. Every 15 minutes during the trading day, right here on Bloomberg Radio. And Michael and Tom. John Tucker, thank you so much. Appreciate that. Michael, you want to migrate us back to Mr. Gabriel? You want me yeah, to Yeah, well, he's a, uh, you got it. Chuck Gabriel, of course, runs uh, the political coverage for Capital Alpha Partners. Been doing this for 32 years. Still doing it. I don't, I, maybe you need time off. <laughs> maybe he had, this he had to election. stay around for this election. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, there are some headlines crossing here that bring us back to what you were talking about earlier um, and, and the issue about the Senate. Harry Reid is on the Senate floor now saying Democrats are going to push gun control at every opportunity. Is there any chance they can make an issue of this? I, mean, I, I, I realize the numbers are against them in trying to get anything through uh, both houses of Congress, but can it become a political issue in the fall? Uh, you know, doubtfully uh, that would work to the advantage, Mike, of of the Democrats, because again, the, the polls uh, in the in the public, you know, still support gun control. It, it's made to seem kind of silly that that Republicans, as as being supportive of uh, uh, you know of gun rights, uh, just refuse to take any losses. So, uh, and, and but they do still control the Senate. They still, you know, the rules of the Senate are are, are such that. Uh, Harry Reid and uh, the Democratic minority—they—they uh, they can, you know, try to either you know disrupt debate. They can—they can try to add amendments to appropriations bills that uh, the Senate's sort of working its way through, but aren't must-pass bills because ultimately we're going to fund the government with a continuing resolution. Uh, they're just kind of buying time, uh, but but you know, as we talked about earlier, doing a fairly good job of finessing this issue, uh, while Mrs. Clinton, you know, frankly at least uh, initially, has seemed to almost turn it to her advantage. Do the, uh, the, the Democrats have any other issues um, that they can use legislatively to try to build a case for a change in Congress? Or are they basically given the inactivity in Congress along for the ride with uh, whatever happens in the presidential race? Well, it, it's funny. You know, Republicans make this very strong point that when Harry Reid was majority leader uh, in 2013-2014, uh, they were only offered, allowed to offer a very small number of amendments because he so, you know, ruthlessly controlled the debate. He didn't want uh, his in-cycle vulnerable incumbents to have to take uh, difficult votes. Republicans, you know, to the extent that, uh, you know, Democrats can make some issues, for instance, out of this Orlando issue, it's, it's because Republicans now have, uh, and Mitch McConnell really have had a, a more open process. But, but frankly, there are not a lot of real live issues yeah. that are, are capturing, you know, voters' attention right now that are on the Senate floor. Tell us the agenda for Speaker Ryan as he staggers to the convention. I mean, within the work of the House and I guess his future prospects, what would you suggest Speaker Ryan will say and critically not say as he tries to get to Cleveland in one piece? 
Yeah, it's, it's amazing. He, it's, it's, you know, it's just, it's such a metaphor for this tough position he's inherited because he should be doing, frankly, a, a bit of a victory lap because he was able to navigate the Puerto Rico debt relief bill through last week uh, and not even have to, you know, uh, do so uh, with a minority of Republican voters. So that was, frankly, a, a huge triumph. That bill will pass in the Senate, uh, you know, by July 1 and will move on. Uh, he has a lot of, uh, uh, Muslim uh, and minority voters up in the, the uh, upper Midwest, up in Wisconsin, in his state. So he has to be very careful on this issue and be very judicious. So he's, he's definitely tap dancing to try to uh, help his, uh, his, you know, his party, his, his caucus, you know, have uh, the ability to distance themselves mm-hmm. somewhat from Trump without, you know, disavowing Trump uh, as the candidate. So it's, it, he's, he's done a good job so far, but it's, you know, the fact that, you know, with each one of these episodes where an advantage is, t- is turned to sort of a mixed, if not disadvantaged, by Trump, you know, the, the bloom has come off the rose and the party is really yeah. disillusioned. And you wonder, Mike, how many more episodes? I don't have any well, wisdom on this. I don't I, have anything to add. But I wonder, Chuck, um, is it likely that we get, to, if, if, you know, presuming this continues and we have no reason to think it won't, uh, that the Republicans get to a point where they are better off ditching Trump. Well, I, I think we might just sort of have a new equilibrium emerge, you know, going into and out of the convention where, and this, this could be an incredible freak show convention, so this will be one of the more interesting ones that we've seen. Uh, and, of course, it's in Ohio, which is very key, because if, if because I was, as I was saying earlier, it could be that all the, the the money on the conservative side, including in the corporate community, really does flow not to Donald Trump and the presidential campaign, which often sucks the oxygen, uh, the you know, financial oxygen out of the p- battlefield. Instead, it could go to keeping Republican Senate. That could actually be helpful. If Hillary Clinton looks like she's going to to win big, that could actually be helpful because you know you don't have as much turnout as as you think. So there are a number of things that could help Republican Senate. And, and one of the most uh, important races is in Ohio uh, with, with Rob Portman. So, but, but, I, but I think that, you know, the, the randomness of Donald Trump, the fact that he's winging it, uh, is going to lead increasingly, I think, to a focus on a fallback strategy of focusing resources and energy on keeping the Senate and, and, and you know, and holding losses in the House uh, to a minimum, and we'll see how that goes. It's been very difficult in the past for candidates to uh, distance themselves from a, mm-hmm. you know, from a presidential ticket that's that's going down. But it's going to be. We we still think it's going to be closer than people expect, just because Mrs. Clinton still has her issues, and this we we still have several right. months to go, obviously, till November. Mike, I just want to point out fractionally the German ten-year yield has moved negative again. Don't want to overdo that, but we had a. Yeah, a higher yield on it, and that's uh, reversed itself here fractionally, just a little well, bit. Chuck, what do you tell your uh, investors, the investors who are your clients, um, to do at this point? I mean, what's your advice? Well, what, what, near term, we've just warned that um, you know risks to uh, you know of of a Trump victory or you know a sharp diversion from what we think is the conventional wisdom. The conventional forecast is that Clinton will win. Uh, probably take along a Democratic Senate. You know, when, when Trump seemed to be doing fairly well a month ago and polls had him either up slightly or down a couple of points, we thought the risk of the forecast might be, you know, instead of a, a wipeout, that instead that, you know, Trump could actually win or Republicans could keep the Senate. 
Now I think there are concerns about a wipeout again. So, uh, and just the randomness of, mis- of Trump's comments and now the reemergence of terrorism, you know, with a, with a Washington debate in full flower, you know, this, this, this will add perhaps another brick and a wall of worry that seems to have emerged here in June over the Brexit, you know, over the Fed, uh, the dot plot numbers that we'll, you know, we may see by tomorrow. So that's what we've been warning mm-hmm. about near term that, you know, Washington's uh, you know, maybe we'll add to that. We don't think it'll drive that because we think people assume that Clinton will win. That, that's, that's shown in the polls. Uh, and that we assume that even if Trump no. were to win, you know, he would moderate. But then beyond that, we just have a number of, right. of analyses about red stocks and blue stocks. And that's been fairly lopsided for a long time because of the Democratic regulatory agenda. And Charles Gabriel is with Capital Alpha Partners. Thank you so much. We're a little long there, folks, but the political discourse is such. Somehow I think Mike, um, I, I'm not sure how much we'll do of this. Yeah, I really can't say how much we'll do of this, but it has, it has been amazing. It was interesting to talk to Megan Murphy, uh, particularly when I pronounced her name correctly this morning. She would like um, that. Yeah, like uh, that. about um, the, uh, Mr. Trump banning the Washington Post. That, yeah. was, that was, for those of you worldwide, that was a bit of an uproar among media. Well, uh, you know, I, I would just say that it is it is our desire uh, given our show to get to what Mr. Gabriel was talking about, the, the red stocks and the blue stocks, who's going to benefit, what you should do, what you should think about. But there's so much noise between now yeah. and you can't, you can't figure it out. And I think your, your phrase and what to think about is important. It's not only in this world we live in now what to think about, but it's what to push aside. And so when we talk to Chuck Gabriel and Greg Villier and Megan Murphy and others, Maybe they help us say, I don't have to read that or I don't have to think about that yeah. versus what matters. And, you know, again, I think the path of Speaker Ryan here in the coming days will be interesting for not only supporters of Mr. Trump, but supporters of Mrs. Clinton. Uh, as what well. to uh, think about today? The Fed are, meeting. Are you going to get a nap in before 1 no, p.m.? I've got some more broadcasting. Today. Yeah, I think the surveillance nap is out the door today yeah. for a good cause. And that cause is Scarlet Foo. Which is a good thing. 1 p.m. this afternoon. We will be with Scarlet Fu, with Ellen Zetner, Alan Blinder, Richard Clarida, and the cast of Worthies. This is Bloomberg Surveillance. <laughs>